From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And uh, we are dedicating the entire show tonight, this morning, to the unidentified aerial phenomenon, ET, and contact issues. The Reverend Michael Carter is with us. He's written articles on UFOs and religion for such publications as UFO Magazine, Alien Encounters, the MUFON UFO Journal, Contact Forum, uh, the Space Newsletter, a UFO support group in New York City. He's spoken at UFO conferences such as the Second Philadelphia Need to Know Conference, the annual Long Island UFO Conference with Bud Hopkins, as well as appearing on radio and TV appearances across the nation. His uh, book, Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials, and the Holy Bible caused quite a stir, and he is uh, back with a uh, a brand new one, paperback edition now available. It's called Initiation, the Spiritual Transformation of the Experiencer. Michael Carter, we're delighted to have you, Michael, and congratulations on the new book, Initiation, the Spiritual Transformation of the Experiencer. Please say hello to my special co-host tonight, Victor Vigiani. Have you two met before? No. Hi, Victor. Hello, Michael. It's so good to be with you. I have so many questions for you, and I'm going to be diving into your book as soon as we finish this interview later on uh, and uh, tomorrow morning because I'm fascinated by some of the topics that you deal with. So I can't. I just can't wait. Thank you so much. I- I'm just glad to be back. It's good to meet you. So, Michael, you and I, we talked on my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. Yes. This is your first time on the terrestrial radio program, we'll call it, the terrestrial radio program. So let's just, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because I I want to get into the the new book. Just kind of hit the high notes regarding your, I believe, two adult contacts with entities. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll hit the high notes. I've had many, um, and, and they continue. But my first one as an adult, was in December 1989, coming back from visiting the uh, uh, pyramids in Chichen Itza and Tulum on the Yucatan. I was there with my girlfriend at the time on vacation. And uh, I just want to preface this with, I'm not a star, well, I wasn't uh, into any type of science fiction or anything like that at all. Um, and so when we got back to New York, which is where I was living at the time, I, I was invited to a party. My girlfriend said, you know, it's cold. I'm tired. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home. You go. It was freezing. But I wanted to gloat, you know, coming back from vacation. My friends were freezing. I just came back from Mexico. So I went to the party. And again, you know, no, no, it didn't stay long, no adult beverages or anything. I probably ate a ton of deviled eggs. I'm, I'm, I, that's my weakness. I love them. And so uh, I caught the subway back home. And even to this day, I don't know if it was um, because I had to get up and maybe go to the bathroom or whatever, but I sensed a presence in the room. And when I turned around at the foot of my bed, this was December 28, 1989, uh, there was a being at the edge of my bed. My girlfriend either could not or did did not wake up, um, and they were they were gray, but whitish gray, uh, with the pear shaped head, very spindly, about four feet tall, had on a jumpsuit 
kind of thing that looked like it was made of Reynolds wrap. And it stared at me, and I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. And I just crawled up in the fetal position and pulled the covers up over my head. Now, my whole room was lit up. Uh, it, there was a blue, like a, a cobalt blue light around him or her. And then there was this huge white light. And when I pulled the cover up over my head, I heard this wishing, like, like the wind was blowing. And the temperature changed in the room. I could have sworn I was outside. But when I pulled the covers back, I was I was in my room. It was like nothing had happened. It was deathly quiet. How, how many How many of them were there, uh, Michael? There was one that I saw. Okay. Now, now, speaking to my uh, girlfriend at the time, who was my first wife, I speak to her almost twice a week. And uh, when this book came out, she said it had triggered some things for her, but she, she she said she remembered that night by reading the book, and she said that she had this overwhelming desire that she just had to sleep, and she saw like these shadowy beings in the room. That was those were her words, and they had big heads. And she said, but all of a sudden she could not; she just had to go to sleep. Hmm. The second one, um, and there have been ones in between but was July 4th, uh, 2013, when I had a healing of a blood clot. That was from a very different being altogether, more humanoid, blonde hair, uh, very muscular guy. It was July 4th, 2013. It was thunderstorming here. And um, I have a lot of friends who served in Vietnam. And I remember them telling me about you just you were in your you were in your foxhole, uh, not unless you were on patrol or a listening post, and you had to sleep in the rain, and you could hear the ingoing and outcoming artillery, and um, or mortars and that kind of thing. And I remember specifically because the lightning that night was so intense; it felt like artillery fire. And I remember this was at nine nine fifty p.m. Uh, I remember it because it was a godsend because I hate fireworks and I used to go being a nice dad every year. And when it rained here, they canceled them. I was so happy. My daughter and my ex used to love these things. And so I turned around because I sleep on my stomach and there was a being very, very tall uh, that had on like a cowl. You know, with the well, we call them hoodies, but you know, with 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 the with the the rope belt and this cowl over its head, but very muscular. Uh, you could see the muscles through the rope, and he stuck his hands out, and this uh, apple green light hit my stomach, and I I felt nothing. It was just bizarre, and then it dissolved. Uh, uh, the molecules dissolved like like you just dissolved. At that time, I had a blood clot. My legs, I'm a very thin person. My legs were swollen like LeBron James. I wish my leg was built <laughs> like, like it was. And um, I called, um, I, was, I was hyped up. I called Preston Dennett, who I'm sure you heard sure. of or know. He's written two books. Yes. I called Preston and Preston wasn't home because it was, it was 10 of 7. Uh, in L.A., well, in California, and I'm on the East Coast. And I couldn't go to sleep. And But when I looked down at my legs, the blood clot was gone. 
And I remember the next morning, I didn't have the presence of mind to take a picture, but I remember the next morning I went to see my daughter and my ex. And they both said at the same time, oh, my God, they healed you. And my blood, the, the big thing was having to go to when I went to the doctor, because I had to go like every week to 10 days and they would stick, prick, prick, put a little prick in my uh, in my in my finger and test, the, you know, the blood and that kind of thing. And I was taking Coumadin and a bunch of blood thinners to shrink this blood clot and they would not let it go. How did this happen? What happened? Of course, I couldn't tell them. And uh, uh, they were getting a little, you know, we don't understand. You were just here 10 days ago. Your leg was swollen like a balloon. And I I was trying to say, maybe the medicine worked. I don't know. And finally, I said to uh, the doctor, I said, aren't you happy for me, though? We don't know what happened. But aren't you happy? My blood clot is gone. Be happy for me. <laughs> and that kind of threw them and they, they let it go. And they also took me off the Coumadin because they wanted me to stay on it indefinitely. And after that, I just said, no, um, I don't want to stay on this. And so those were uh, two of many experiences um, that I've had with uh, seeing star people. Right. I mean, you you call them star people. Why do you yes. use that particular term rather than extraterrestrial or interdimensional uh, well I, I I will use those from time to time what I what I stay away from is alien because I just don't think you know I I, I, I just it just doesn't feel um, it just doesn't feel good to me right. but no I I may call them off-world intelligences I've called them extraterrestrials um, I, I, I try to keep in mind that these are sentient beings that they have a humanity, for lack of a better word. Some of them have families. And so I just don't, you know, I try to stay away from alien. But, you know, I, I believe some of these beings do both. Uh, they, they're into, they can travel interdimensionally. Some, some of them have a ship. Uh, some of them don't need ships to travel. So the universe is just teeming with life. And so I don't want to get caught up into names. But I, I just, alien just seems harsh to me. Right. Victor, do you want to ask? Yeah, I, Michael. Uh, thanks, Richard. Before, before the realization came, let's call it the realization of what you went through. Uh, yes. What was your, what was your mindset uh, or your worldview or whatever you want to call it about either this kind of stuff or just, how are you existing pre the contact? What, what, was your, what was your worldview or mindset then? How did you enter the world? Great question. I was raised Baptist. So, um, and I was um, already at that time getting away from that kind of uh, Weltanschauung, that worldview. Uh, I was not, I did not watch science fiction. I didn't read it. I mean, people marvel when I say I just started watching some Star Trek episodes uh, uh, three and a half, four years ago. But I'm glad I did because... Otherwise, people would say, come on, man, you've been watching too many sci-fi movies. But, um, no, I, I, you know, I believed in, you know, Jesus as Savior and Trinity. And, you know, I, I, that's how I was raised. But before, before these contacts, I was already getting away from that. 
I was already reading existential philosophy and 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 things like that. I was already studying the occult and and for lack of a better word, and metaphysics and healing and and those types of things, the psychic phenomenon. And so, you know, the old adage: when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I was already getting away from that. Uh, it just because because that worldview just wasn't working for me anymore. Thus, the move from the uh, Baptist tradition mm-hmm. to Unitarian Universalism, which still had its, um, you know, very materialistic, very intellectual, very, uh, um, you know, worshiping at the altar of reason, if you will, but it gave me more room to explore. Right. Uh, there was no creeds or anything I had, no doctrine I had. To find, I could work out my own salvation, if you will, with fear and trembling, to coin a phrase. Yeah, so did. that was my mindset prior to having these experiences. Yeah, you really didn't need an institution to interpret reality for you. Exactly. And and I want to be clear that I have friends and that, that, that perspective still works for them. And, and, and so I respect that. It just stopped working for me. And, and Unitarian Universalism, again, free thinking, that kind of thing, but very rational religion, very, you know, the, the thing that attracted me to it was yeah, I didn't have to leave my, my, my brain at the door. But the flip side of that was, again, if you couldn't see, feel, touch, taste or smell it, for many people, it didn't exist. Now, that has that has changed and is changing, but I just felt more at home there. Mm-hmm. So, in, in very interesting perspective, yeah. Michael, with the new book, Initiation, this is a self-help guide for yes. other experiencers. So, obviously, you know, there, you felt that there was a need for this, if, and this book wasn't available for you when you were going through it. So, what, what did you think, or what were the sort of the questions or the types of, what was the kind of help you needed uh, you know, looking back that you didn't get, so that's what propelled you to write this book. What kind of help specifically yeah. did you need? Great questions. Well, you remind me of uh, uh, the Danish philosopher Kierkegaard who says life is lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. Um, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I was looking for what I couldn't get, just even to talk to people about it. Now, when it first happened, and I feared for my sanity, I went to mental health professionals, um, uh, the late Bud Hopkins was a friend of mine, and he regressed me at one time. My initial regression was by Dr. Gene Mundy. I was just trying to hold on to my sanity. And I had a support group at the time, and it meant a lot to me. But most people don't have that. And I know so many people, especially, you know, being on Ancient Aliens, and people contact me from all walks of life, all races, all, and they say, you know, your work has touched me, and let me tell you what happened to me. Do you think I'm crazy? Can I still be a religious person and believe in extraterrestrials and UFOs? And so I just said, I can, uh, um, what has happened to me, I viewed as positive. And I had a lot of trauma psychologically, uh, and even to this day, you know, kind of afraid of the dark, kind of, you know, sleeping till the lights are not as bad as I used to be 20 years ago, but those fears are still there. But I just wanted to reach out and say, you're not alone, that, that, that people will listen to you. You need someone to listen to. But I tell you, the biggest thing that helped me was when the military just came out 
Um, and one is, you know, I wish one would be, they could be a little more transparent. But all of a sudden, people don't snicker so much when you talk about this. The, you know, whether it's, you're, you know, some of these stories on the page of Washington Post, New York Times. Um, and so it's not, you know, it's, it's taken a little more seriously. And so the timing is right now where people can say, hey, uh, let me tell you what happened to me. And people don't say to you like they said to me, um, you know, what are you, nuts? Uh, I had a colleague, a ministerial colleague many years ago when I was in Boston doing a workshop. And uh, I told them, you know, I, I trusted and, and they, you know, they, they listened and they said, Michael, I, I, I believe in the possibility of what you just told me. And but if you want to have a career as a minister in this denomination, you must never repeat that story again. <laughs> and so, you know, and even the response that I've gotten now um it's just been wonderful, and I think it's the right time now. Uh, we just got about three minutes before the uh, the break here. Let me just ask a, a question. We'll start the conversation and continue after. And and I mean, I I've been broadcasting in this arena for twenty years. I've never seen a UFO. Certainly, I've never had you know a contact experience, as far as I know. Um, and so my my question has always been, you know, when people reveal what has happened to them. You know why? Why him, not me? Uh, maybe your your ex wife thinking the same thing. You had the experience; she didn't. Why you, not them? That I can't answer. I mean, I, I I've had a a psychic tell me at one time who I never mentioned this to. The first time they gave me a reading, this was years ago. Uh, they told me what they saw around me. I never mentioned this to them. And they told me that this was sort of like something I agreed to prior uh, to this incarnation. That resonated with me. It was so subjective. You can't prove that. But they said that this is not the first time. In other lifetimes, you've had these beings around you. Uh, and, and, and you have worked with them. Um, I That's as far as I can go with that. I, I wish I knew. Um, but... Uh, they have been coming to me. And I know some people who say, I wish it would come to me. That would happen to me. And I say, well, be careful what you ask for. And then I've had some friends who said, man, I, I just could not deal with that waking up and, you know, and seeing these beings in my room. Um, so that, that, that's that's as far as I can go it's, without being in because right. it's so subjective. I, I wonder if I mean, has have, well, I'll save this one for after the break. I'll, I'll uh, mention it now and you think on it. We'll come back and discuss. But And that is have experiencers or contact experiencers come to you and said, it's happening to me. I, I want it to stop. How do I make it yes. stop? We'll, yes. uh, we'll pick that up uh, on the other side. Uh, the Reverend Michael Carter is with us. The book is Initiation, the Spiritual Transformation of the Experiencer, a Guide for Contact Experiencers. Victor Vigiani, Zeland News Network, stays with us. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Michael Carter, and the new one is Initiation, The Spiritual Transformation of the Experiencer, A Guide for Contact Experiencers. Uh, the paperback uh, out, well, just last month. 
available at Amazon. Um, so is there help in the book if someone has had contact and maybe it hasn't been a positive experience or maybe it was intended to be, but they don't interpret it that way and they'd like it to stop? Is there anything that can be done? This is what I have had um, – And it's a great question, Richard. This is what I have uh, learned from other folks, and I have passed it on. Um, Sometimes, at least a friend of mine just very recently was talking about this uh, in the the last few weeks. And I recommend it because someone, an experiencer, had told me about it, uh, getting a little nightlight. And I don't know, you know, so far that has been working for them for the past month or so, but they've got a little nightlight. And so they're not totally in the dark uh, in the room. So psychologically, that helps. I don't know. I think if these beings want to come, nothing's going to stop that. The other thing I um, did, and because I've had some entities, I don't know if they were uh, star people or not, but um, I could just feel the room it was a different energy in my room. I just take sage of uh, sweet grass and I sage my apartment. I sage, uh, I sage the entrance. I save my bedroom and I'm particularly focused on the corners of the room because a lot of energy just just kind of gathers there. Um, that seems to help. And I've had some people, my, 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 my friends who are really very, very Christian, I've heard them say that if a, if a being enters, they will say to them, I'm protected uh, by, uh, by the, the white light of, of, of Jesus Christ. I, I, I guess that works. Um, but people have come to me, as, as you've asked, and it hasn't been a pleasant experience. And, and and it's not for everybody. I I feel like I was very fortunate in in those ways. But to answer your question again, to go over it, the nightlight seems to be working for people. Definitely, I would say you sage your place, whether you were having visitations or not, just to get people, you know, get the energies that were there out. All right. And uh, some people uh, uh, visualize themselves in like a protective bubble, those kinds of things. Victor, go ahead. Yeah, I, it, you've, you've raised so many questions, uh, Michael. Uh, and what Richard said earlier uh, about you know people who have uh, been excluded from these kinds of experiences, uh, you know, he said something about as far as he knew, um, <laughs> Richard has never had the experiences. Uh, I, I think I think Richard, you and I have to write a book, and you know, we're going to title it. What's that? As far as I know. <laughs> exactly. And that leads me to the question that um, there are so many people who have experienced you know, what you're describing. And you know, yes. I, I've dealt with this, this phenomenon for, for literally decades, Michael, uh, in many different ways. And I've been fortunate enough to, to meet with and interview and, and be in the office of Dr. John Mack. And uh, his, yes, his, yes. His, his understanding and sharing all of his insights. And that has brought me to the point of, of, of trying to come to grips with uh, how these entities come to us from what, what John Mack calls the subtle realm or the, non, the non-corporeal realm of the existence within the cosmos. And uh, have you ever had experiences where these beings share with you this whole idea of a, a shared consciousness or this this idea of uh, of um, the otherness of the of, of 
the cosmos where we're just not plugged into it as corporeal beings, but once you make the leap with these beings, you automatically become part of it by proxy. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think that's what happened to me. I mean, I mean, my whole worldview changed. Now, on a couple of occasions, I was shown a past life. Uh, on one occasion, and, 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 and because they weren't speaking to me, I recall only once a reptilian being spoke to me, and the lips didn't move, but I heard the voice in, you know, in my head. As far as my uh, 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 gray-looking friends, uh, they would show me pictures. Like at one time, they showed me a picture of of of, of myself, and then a, uh, a, a next to it a, a a monk. And I I just looked at that as they were trying to say this. You you've done this before. This whole religion trip that you're being on. Now they didn't come out and tell me that, but I. But after my experiences, I, I just I, I meditated more, which opened me up more. I started studying um, uh, other ways of being, not only other religions but consciousness. Uh, uh, you, you know, altered states of consciousness, if you will. So it was like I was being guided to that. I lost my sense of. And again, it wasn't like they waved a magic wand. I was already on this journey. I think their visits expedited it. Um, I, you know, I, I started um, really just feeling more connected to the earth. And I started to get it just not on an intellectual level that I'm connected to all of this. And what I do to others, I'm doing to myself. Now, people may say, oh, my God, Michael, I know that. But if we really knew it, we would change the way we acted. And I'm not saying that I know people who have this consciousness and they never had uh, a, a, a contact with, a, a, you know, with otherworldly intelligences or interdimensional beings, at least as far as I know. But this is where it led me. And it wasn't again, it wasn't like they were saying you need to do this, but it was kind of like I was being led that way. The right book would come my way. Uh, uh, the, the the right mentor would come my way when I was ready. And so I, by these visits, each and every time I was changed, my energy changed, my outlook changed, my heart was more open, I had more capacity to love. Uh, I, 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 was, I, I was more vulnerable. I was more willing to take risk and become more authentic. What did that look like? Sometimes it looked like me going to a therapist to work on some family of origin issues. Sometimes it was me um, going, you know, counseling other people. But my consciousness started to shift. And each time I met them, it was it just took me deeper into myself so that I, I was more involved with this reality and I didn't and, and it, it was disconcerting in some ways because I was like why can't everybody else see this and what was passing for sanity on this planet and in this country I began to see more and more as insanity but I'm here uh, in this body and so the lesson for me was um, to learn to love and 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 and, and to share that unconditionally does, does uh, with, with fellow human with my fellow human beings yeah does it bother you michael that i mean you've just described over the past you know minute and a half or so some ext- 
extremely intense understandings of, of how you view the cosmos and the, the reality and all, all these really exponentially bizarre experiences that, that very few people can understand. How do, you, how do you sense that your experiences and what I just described uh, to, to you, how can the general public become, and I know this is a really difficult question to answer, but how do you think that the general public will in, in, interpret what you're saying on, on that exponentially bizarre end of that spectrum? How can they, how can they even completely understand it at all? How, how do you frame well, it? I, okay, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was speaking at conferences before we were dealing with COVID, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had my slides and mostly I would be talking about because people became fascinated with religion and UFOs and these beings. And so I have a whole a two hour talk. I have a whole segment on that. But I made it a point, um, And maybe it's expected of me. I'm a clergy person. But I make it a point my last 45 minutes or so that I talk about the spiritual transformation. And every time I do, you can hear a pin drop. Because, I I mean, and and people are, are, they're on the edge of their seats too in the sense of, you know, if they're looking at the Bible and or the Dhammapada or the Upanishads and, oh my God, that could be interpreted this way and that way. They're, They're there. But the thing is, people want to walk out with, whether they've seen extraterrestrials or not, they want to walk out with, how do I deal with my fellow human beings? How can I use the tools from these avatars, these saints, these people who've come before me? How can I use that that spirituality and that wisdom and bring it into now? It's almost like I call it bringing the timeless into time. I'm uh, uh, sorry, Michael, for the interruption. Speaking of time, I got to duck away just for a moment and we'll come back and pick it up on the other side. Michael Carter stays with us along with Victor Vigiani and uh, we're offering some guidance for contact experiencers. Back with more in a moment. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant. Initiation, the spiritual transformation of the experiencer, a guide for contact experiencers. So uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross had her the five, uh, was it five stages of, of dying and, and grief. Is there kind of a parallel like evolution uh, that an experiencer goes through? Can you, can you look at your progression, the evolution of the way you, was it, you know, did you go from anger to fear or how did that work? Yeah, that, yeah. I I didn't have the well. I, well, eventually I came to acceptance. Uh, I, I, I it was fear. It was definitely fear for all of the obvious reasons. Uh, so there was there was the fear, the disbelief. I mean, I went to seek mental health professionals. I, I went to seek to get regression so I could get a handle on what was happening to me. And then there was... Oh, did we lose Michael? Victor, are you there? I'm here. Oh, I think Michael... Uh... Oh. Did Michael fall off there? Oh, maybe, maybe a streaming issue. Maybe he froze a little bit. Okay. Right. 
I was asking him about that, that you know, those stages, the the, the uh, seven or five stages mm-hmm. of, of grieving. I mean, you've you've counseled people in this regard. Is it while we're waiting for Michael to join us again? Is that your experience that people go through this? That, that there is almost a predictable evolution of whether it's you know f- fear, disbelief, anger, acceptance. Oh, the, the the whole idea that's extremely important in, in uh, those who experience this thing, uh, initially, uh, by, by and large, most of them is this complete confusion, and that complete confusion turns into, as you can well imagine, with beings appearing at the end of your bed or whatever that happens to be, is absolute fear. I mean, that that to me is the is is the crux of the the initial experience. However, in my experience with uh, contactees, with experiencers, and even with my dialogue with John Mack, I keep on going back to it, he emphasized so strongly in all the people that he dealt with that that whole idea of fear and victimization was there to begin with. But for some reason, uh, with the kinds of beings that, that, that interact with, with us as, 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 human, as, as human beings, um, that fear and trepidation and that whole guys that we lose that we lose we have you back michael i'm just got you I mean, back. Yeah. yeah we got you back we were just sort of expanding on that whole idea of uh you know fear leading to ultimately i guess acceptance yeah. that you were talking about yeah it was it was that it was that but there was separation there was uh definitely um the trials and tribulations there were teachers and mentors like i write about this in the book there was also the desire to study ancient civilizations. Now, people may do other things. I, I changed. I, I became a healer. I started studying Reiki. I started studying reading auras and stuff like that. I, I changed my career from being in the theater to becoming a healer and going into ministry. I changed my diet. I became a vegetarian. Hmm. So there were some things that changed. And I, 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 I tend to think it was because of my experiences. Victor, you want to? No, I, I, I was just reflecting upon that. It, whatever these experiences are, has been my experience, Michael. And you'll probably, you know, you just echoed that, that, that this whole feeling is that once you go through these kinds of things uh, that you've been through, uh, be it once, twice, or you know, many, many times, your entire being. Gets uh, it goes through a metamorphosis. You change how you look at the world. You, you mentioned that you became a vegetarian, and you did other things. You, you question your faith, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, these kinds of experiences, and the people that I've dealt with, go, they, they all go through this same transition of initial confusion, uh, initial fear, uh, initial victimization, and then eventually, at some point along the line. Uh, there's a there's a sense of uh, of an evolving acceptance of what these beings are trying to transmit, and I'm not sure why they begin with the whole fear. Maybe that's just us as responders. Uh, but when when you when you go through this whole fear and victimization uh, process, and then eventually realize, my goodness, they're trying to tell me something. They're trying to tell us something. What is the message? And my response to all of that is. Uh, and I've told this to the experiences that I've dealt with, the, just ask them, what do you want from me? What is it that you want from me? And that brings them into your court. 
and I've, I've, I've dealt with experiences who've actually said this to these beings, and these beings re- respond like, oh my goodness, I didn't expect that. And that's, that, that, that to me is a very important issue with how we as this human species respond to their intervention as off-world civilizations by asking them, what do you want from me? Did you ever ask that question, Michael? No, I, I didn't, and, and I want to expound on that a bit. For me, just the shock of waking up and them there, and some of these people look very bizarre. That's the fright, and that's very human. And and I just did not have the presence of mind, and I and I don't know if they were even there that long. I mean, you, you know what I mean. I don't even know if they were there to have the conversation when they healed the the, the blood clot that I had. Yeah. We didn't have a conversation, but the point was because of other uh, visits. It was clear that because of, to me, because of what I was going through, that I needed to carry this love out into the world. I don't think everybody gets a chance to have a conversation. And I, 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 I guess I would envy people who can sit there and maybe it'll happen to me later in life and, and have this exchange. I have yet to have that. Or maybe, or, or, or maybe I've had it and just not conscious of it. But for me... I kind of know what it was about. And 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 that's why I changed my life. Okay. And, I mean I wanted to change my life anyway, but I, I again I think that the, the spiritual it was the spiritual transformation for me and to go out and live uh this new self All that right. had, a caterpillar became a butterfly. Got to jump in here one more time. We'll take one final sure. time out come back and uh Continue our conversation. The Reverend Michael J.S. Carter, Initiation, Victor Vigiani, Zeland News Network. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Michael Carter stays with us for a few moments yet, along with Victor Vigiani, Zeland News Network. So I've spoken to a number of guests over the years that have had near-death experiences. And because of their transformation... It happened to them and not their spouse. That caused a huge rift in the relationship. Many relationships didn't survive it. I would imagine it would be a similar situation, and I know you address this in the book. Yes, it it, it can be very difficult uh, because the other person is, you know, it's it's like a part of your life that you can't really share. Um, and, And a lot of, because of the rapid, changes that sometimes the experiencer can go through and sometimes that may mean a change in relationship where maybe the experience feels the experiencer may feel like he or she has to move on and so that leaves the other person um pretty vulnerable and you know it's, it's it can be very painful and even in even in even if you don't break up now i was very fortunate with the partners that I have, um, and even the woman I'm seeing now, who happens to be a therapist, but uh, and she's open to this, but uh, it, it can be a challenge, and so there's always got to be that communication every step of the way, even more so, um, because it can destroy. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I think there's data to support that there's a high divorce rate among people who've had... Uh, uh, these these contact experiences, Victor. Yeah, I, I can I can echo some of that sentiment, Michael, because the 
the, the idea, and once again, I go back to John Mack, who's a nice stalwart in my walk on this, because he has um, described many, many relationships uh, where, you know, the husband has had an experience and the wife doesn't understand it, and eventually they, they come to grips with the fact that they have to accept this, this other relationship with the, uh, these other beings who are um, essentially... Uh, controlling their lives in a way that the other that the other person in the relationship just does not understand and and can't come to grips with. So uh, 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 on that basis, and with all of these things with interpersonal relationships being and having this this stuff being all familial, you know, in terms of you know mothers having gone through it and children going, how do you see this whole um, experience or situation, the context is evolving because it, it's changed a lot from what I initially saw. How do you see this evolving through contact or how people will eventually come to a, a new understanding of what the contact experience is as how it's evolved over the past 20 or 30 years? Where is it? Going? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, yeah, it has changed. And, and, and I was, I was uh, fortunate enough to have met Dr. Mack on several occasions, and I was more in line with his camp than I was with Bud's, uh, uh, and, and, and even though Bud was a good friend. Um, I, what, 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 what I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to think through that, and I mentioned it in the book, I, I feel that more people are going to come out of the closet, if you will, and start sharing these experiences. And uh, I, I see a time, again, I, I'm, I'm using, you know, uh, the military coming out with the Tic Tac news and all this other stuff. Uh, and, and so now it's taken more seriously. And now people who've had the experiences can come out and they can talk about these experiences. And, 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 and then they can talk about, you know, they've been what we've been talking about it since the beginning about what we're doing to the environment, the messages that we're getting. Uh, people are changing. They're becoming um, cosmic citizens. Now, that's going to be a threat to mm -hmm. some people because for all the obvious reasons. But I see things as we go forward. Yes, there's this pestilence and there's the social, political, cultural um, uh, challenges that we're having. But I see this globally that... Uh, People uh, who've had these experiences are going to be on the forefront of really trying to make changes in our society because eventually we're, it's going to come out that, that we're not alone. Uh, 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 and, and, and so who's going to be walking point on this, for better or for worse, are going to be people who have had the experience. And I, I just see that happening so clearly in the next, I would say, in the next few years. We're going to be talking about things as a society globally that we weren't even allowed to think about mm -hmm. just 10, 15, 20 years ago. You're, you're, so I, I guess what you're saying is that all of the information that's come forward, and uh, Richard and I have been talking about this for the past, how long, we've been 15, 20 years, yeah, yeah. whether the military and the secrecy and the whole thing. I mean, that that is going to eventually, in our assessment, in my assessment, is that it's going to take a back seat. Eventually, as this thing evolves, it's going to take a back seat to all of the the contact experiences and the authenticity with which people like yourself and all the other experiences have gone through. That will be 
that will become the predominant worldview of what the UAP issue is. It won't be just unidentified flying objects, which is so gross and so, in so many ways, uh, unauthentic. It will become an experiencer issue where these beings are attempting to contact us through you, through people like you, and that's what's going to take. That's going to replace all of the military and the national yes. security issues that are going on right now. Do, Yes, I agree. Nuts and bolts. I agree with you. I agree. You know, because it's bigger than nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. It's even bigger than just seeing these beings. It's about we we're on a planet that is beautiful, Mm -hmm. and 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 you know we've we've heard this from our Native American brothers and sisters and Aboriginal people. I mean, this is not new, but we're endangering it, and and we don't realize Mm -hmm. that the Earth doesn't need us. It can shake us off like fleas. We need the earth. And so it's even bigger. But but the only way that's going to change is if we change our consciousness from one of separatism, you know, moving from the illusion of separatism and moving into the truth of what it means to be connected, that we are bigger and larger and more powerful than we are. And that's what I was getting at uh, when I was talking about when I have that point in my talks where we're not even really talking about UFOs and star people, interdimensional beings. We're talking about that kind of divinity, and I don't want to romanticize it, but but that, that's in each and every one of us, and that we can be better than we are. And people need to hear that because they're not, I, I mean, I got a standing ovation. I know it, it not, it, it threw me for a loop and I don't do it for that. But I, when I was talking about the spiritual transformation that can happen, people, that's what they want to know about. How can I do this? Because whether, whether if I have a visit tonight, guess what? Tomorrow I got to get up, take my daughter to school, you know, I've got to get to the church. I've got to go grocery shopping. I've still got to bring this knowledge and this wisdom and all the flaws and everything that I have being a human being. I have to get up tomorrow and brush my teeth and go out into the world. And people want to know, how can I do that yeah. with some authenticity and integrity and some love? Initiation, the spiritual transformation of the experiencer, a guide for contact Experiencers now available in paperback. That's at Amazon. Where else can they get it, Michael? Uh, Barnes and Nobles and some select bookstores. And uh, they can call me and or, or email me. And if I have a few extra, I can autograph them and send them. And they can contact you through the website, michaeljscarter.com. Yes, michaeljscarter.com. And at michaeljscarter at gmail.com. That's my email. michaeljscarter at gmail.com. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for hanging out for the last hour, Michael. It's been a delight. It's been great, and I thank you so much. And uh, just stay well, and uh, maybe we'll do it again. Absolutely. And uh, to you, Victor, my friend, always uh, great connecting with you. Thank you so much. And we will watch with great interest the uh, development of this breaking news that we discussed in the uh, the first hour, um, having to do with the uh, House of or the Congress, the U.S. Congress. Basically uh, ordering the Pentagon to start studying UFOs. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. You're welcome. It's it's so much of a pleasure, Richard. We'll talk soon. All right. uh, Quick programming note. Next week for the full two hours, 
Kent Baines will be here. Terrific writer, the most dangerous blog in the world. We'll talk about the Planetary Awakening Code, exposing the cryptocracy's time manipulation system and how we can use it against them. That and uh, much more. He's on for the full two hours. He was on with Coast. He was on with me for Coast to Coast, but he got sick towards the end of the interview and and, uh, had to bail. So he'll be back for the full two hours. We'll do it justice, I promise you. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Good night.